Well, Jaden Daniels wins the Heisman. Michael Penix does not. Was Michael Penix snubbed? Let's answer that question. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a reaction episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded, and with two Heisman finalists, Conference of Champions. What a way for the Pac 12 to go out. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which is brought to you by Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app. And go to prizepicks.com. Actually, forget the app part of it. Just go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. I'm all suited up for this one because this is strictly business, as Lee Corso would say. We got serious business to attend to here. It's not as cool and pimped out on the inside as Michael Penix's was, which I thought was a pretty awesome salute. Uh, in New York City. I got my guy Roman Tomashoff here, locked on Huskies at rtomashoff34 on Twitter. Roman, your opinion, please. Was Michael Penix snubbed of the Heisman Trophy? And if so, why? Well, Spencer, you're dressed up for the occasion. I'm dressed down because <laughs> the 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 SEC bias didn't want to give Michael Penix his flowers. So mm. I'm not going to dress up for the occasion. Mm. Uh, my, Michael Penix was, was, thank you. My, Michael, Michael Penix was absolutely snubbed of, of the Heisman Trophy. I feel like that's fair to say where he becomes only the second Maxwell Award winner in the last nine years to not win the award. And like you can talk, you can talk at length about, oh, well, why did Marvin Harrison get first place votes? Uh, and some people will say, oh, Marvin Harrison got first place votes. Yeah, he did. Oh, gosh, yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's part of it. that 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 hurts. <laughs> But it's it's really tough to just kind of sit here and and say anything other than than yes, Michael Penix got snubbed because and I'm not gonna run run down Jaden Daniels. I was super high on him when he got to Arizona State. Loved watching him there, but he just like 18 of his touchdowns came against Georgia State and wh- whoever else. Some of their terrible non-conference opponents were that they had to play. He he was able to pad his stats, and he had some fantastic games. The game against Florida is amazing. They went five and seven. I don't care. But Michael Penix was at his best in some of the biggest moments. And Spencer, you and I were talking about it before the show that he didn't necessarily show out statistically in some of the in, in some of the other games that he played this season. But in terms of what he did this year, especially you talk about the two matchups against Oregon, you talk about the Utah game. We talk about some of the other games that he he played, like and especially you look at his his first month of the year, where yeah, he played some of those same, you know, uh, just non conference, just not. Ugh. I'm trying to I'm trying to be nice here when I say just not as good teams, but he didn't play the full. Jim Daniels put the full game against Georgia State. Like Spencer, you called me and said they should, Oregon should have left Bo Nixon against Arizona State. Like that's <laughs> that's the level that we're at here, man. It's yeah. ridiculous. And, and I mean, to be fair. You know, just to mildly play devil's advocate here, and I'll make my position clear in just a moment. Penix did start the year with three straight 400-yard games, although those games were a little bit more competitive. I think Tulsa perhaps 
but I mean, Michigan State, that game wasn't really competitive. And Penix put up 473 and four touchdowns. And I don't think he played that entire game, did he? Because, he or at he least they halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, they like they didn't need to have him in there uh, at all. So I, I understand the stat padding frustration. Here's where my frustration comes at with, with, with the Heisman Trophy. By the way, the last Maxwell Award winner, which is given to the most um, outstanding. No, no, not most yeah. outstanding because that's a Heisman. I don't know. The Maxwell is like. It usually goes to the it's Heisman Trophy similar. winner. Yeah. So the last guy to win it who didn't win the Heisman, do you know who it was, ironically? Tua Tagovailoa. a left-handed quarterback who's going to be taken in the first round. I, I don't know if there's a, a similarity there, but, uh, you know, it's just – it was curious when I saw that particular stat. Here, here's where I come at this particular discussion. I want the Heisman Trophy to be consistent – and the voting over the years has not been consistent. If you are making the argument that it is to go, as the award declares, to the best individual player in college football, then or the most outstanding player in college football, then there should have been more finalists that weren't quarterbacks over the years. And certain individuals should not have won the Heisman, who did, most notably, Derrick Henry. Derek, I'm, I'm going to beat this drum until I am no longer allowed on the air as a broadcaster. Derrick Henry should not have won the Heisman, not because Derrick Henry isn't a really good player, but because Derrick Henry was given that particular benefit of team success that he is tied to, of course. He was central to that Alabama team that won a national championship, but we didn't know they were going to win it ahead of time, but we knew they were very, very good. He was central to that and was given that boost to his resume. Whereas for Michael Penix, it feels like it was a drawback for him. Right. Like, yes, no, being 13 right. and being 13 and 0 put him on that stage. But when I say drawback, I mean it was, well, Penix was very, very good, but was he as important to his team as Jaden Daniels? And you can talk yourselves down that particular rabbit hole as much as you want. But Penix's team had the better season. He appears to be punished for it because it's, well, his team helped him out in a couple spots. Fact check, true. He had a game where Washington's Absolutely. offense did not score a touchdown. Defense won the football game. Defense didn't win any games for Jane Daniels this year. I'm perfectly open to that particular argument. What I'm upset Absolutely. at is the inconsistency. And I think in the last few years, and the reason this award went to Jane Daniels, SEC bias is a part of it, sure. The reason that this award went to Jaden Daniels, I think is an effort on the part of the Heisman voters, whether conscious or not, to try and actually give the award to the best individual player in college football. I would have been beating the same drum if Devontae Smith had not won the Heisman in 2020, but he did. He was the best individual player in the country, not just the best player on the best team, but the number one team in the country is Michigan. The number two team is Washington. They're both undefeated. And nobody on Michigan had anywhere close to the season individually on either side of the ball that Penix had. So I think if you apply the logic of past Heisman trophies, you'd say Penix should have gotten it. But if you want to go best individual player who had the better individual season, yes, the answer is Jaden Daniels. He, as a right. runner alone, could have been an all-conference player. So I get that. I just don't like the inconsistency. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you there. I, I, I like that you're you're still banging the uh, the Christian McCaffrey drum. Over, I will over never Derek stop Derek. banging that drum. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. No, it absolutely is. And and that's so it's it's something that um I actually talked about this a little bit. And I, I know this is locked on Pac-12, so I'm sorry in advance, Spencer. 
Uh, oh but this is this is one thing that I'm really I'm really happy about for the move to the Big Ten. I know you as as an Oregon guy will feel similarly where it feels that being in the Pac-12 and being at a, at a point where uh, it, it, it's the argument that was made against Christian McCaffrey, where a voter came up to him and told him, I didn't watch you play, so I didn't vote for you. Mm-hmm. That's that that's strictly if in the Big Ten, that cannot happen. That is inexcusable for, it, for some I mean, of those It still has the possibility to happen, you're aware. It's not as if the Big Ten added West Coast teams so that they could just completely avoid the possibility of playing night games out West. No, that's no, you're right. That's that's not what I'm saying. But it's more it, it there's more attention now for these for these teams, for these players, for these schools. Where that's that's kind of what it feels like, where it just it feels like the job is taken more seriously compared to when it's oh well, oh it's it's no offense, but it's if we want to talk about that Washington game or that, excuse me, that Arizona State game where it's Washington, Arizona State. Do you think that 95% of those voters that don't live on the West Coast stayed up to watch that game or they just said, oh, oh, look at the stat line. Yeah, I can't give them the award because of this. I, I feel like that that would definitely be a case that that would be made against Michael Penix in some of these just in, in some of these regards. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jane Daniels, just to be clear had games that were not up to the standard that he set week in and week out. And I think that that warrants a, a, a discussion because it's a fascinating one as it pertains to this particular award. A fascinating discussion that I'd like to have with all of you is why haven't you checked out prize picks yet? I don't know what you're waiting for because it's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. If you've already checked it out, kudos to you and ignore my snarky comment from a moment ago. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in. Want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill, comedian Andrew Schultz, who's very funny? You can find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy, so your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits in the first half, does not return for the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, so the criteria for the Heisman Trophy, the textbook definition, is it's given to the most outstanding player in college football, which is indeed very subjective. And Penix had games this year, I think, that look ugly in a box score that certain Heisman voters might not have watched. But frankly, even if they had watched, they would not have seen Michael Penix playing his best football. The Arizona State game definitely comes to mind. Flu or not, it's not that like that sort of thing is just not going to fly with the Heisman voters. Like, I don't think that that would have mattered one way or the other. Penix had no touchdowns against Arizona if they just looked at the box score, but also he was 30 of 40 for 363 yards. So what's, what's the big whoop there? I think the Oregon state game under 200 yards passing and Washington state, frankly, I think Washington state, if people were actually watching the games and I think that Washington, Oregon state game had a pretty good t- television number. I think the Washington State game was more punitive because that one, I think, also had like between three, four or five million people watching as well. And that had 
some good conditions and Penix did not look like Michael Penix. Then he goes to the Pac-12 championship game. He plays like his old self against Oregon, leads him to a 13-0 season, and everyone had already baked in their Heisman vote before that game even played out. I mean, there are people who have literally voted, who had voted before conference championship weekend, which is insane. You shouldn't, even open, you shouldn't even open the ballot box until no. after conference championship weekend. That that part is ridiculous. No, I couldn't agree with you more there. So I think that the Oregon State game hurt his stock a little bit more than the Washington State game because you're right. He didn't he didn't play nearly as well in the Washington State game. But the Oregon State game, just in terms of numbers, and that's the only time in his Husky career, he was under 50% completion, uh, completion percentage. And then he was under 200 yards passing where, yeah, that didn't look too great. Yeah, he threw two touchdowns to Roma Dunze. But when you just look at the pure numbers, he went like 13 to 28 in that game. And it's it's tough to see those numbers, and that wasn't really his fault. He actually played very well. There were a whole bunch of drops. The play calling was somewhat questionable in the second half, and there were a whole lot of other things that you could point to, but just when you look at that kind of box score against a top-10 team where it's, oh, man, like this, this could have been another just – it could have been icing on the cake, really, of just, yeah, he's played a fantastic season. Here's another opportunity, to, because if he goes, if he throws for, let's call it, let's say he has the same stat line that he did in the first Oregon game. I feel like this is a whole different conversation. And I think that if he does that against Washington State, they're going to say, well, it's Washington State. Yeah, that's what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think there's some truth to that. I think the ultimate differentiating factor was Jaden Daniels ability to run the football. And one thing that, you know, I I've seen Husky fans uh, throw out with regards to, to Michael Penix and Jaden Daniels and the comparison and whatnot is, well, Penix was at his best when he was needed most. The fact check true. Okay. When the team wasn't playing well, Penix came through with it, with a big moment, whether that was against Oregon twice or Washington state or, you know, whichever game you want to throw out there, Penix and Adunze are the most clutch combo. It's why I like them to beat Texas. I think that Penix, I think it's going to be a close game. And who do you trust more in a late game situation than Michael Penix and Roma Dunze? I don't have a tandem yet uh, in certainly not in the top four that, that I feel that I trust more than that. But one thing Texas is what fans seem to think it's their defense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I started to get those comments on the, on the last show that, that I did on, on Friday, which is, which is, which is awesome. I mean, well, welcome to this show. Great, college. Yeah. It's college football. Let's have some banter. Let's go back and forth and whatnot and let it get decided on the field, obviously. But I think the narrative to be fair to Jane Daniels, that he did not play well in the biggest games or in the games where LSU lost this year. I don't think that's entirely true. Now he had a sub he had about a 60% completion percentage, 59 and a half against Florida State. They got housed in the second half. Okay, that's his worst game of the year. He went for 346 yards. He ran for 64. He had one touchdown and one pick, no TDs on the ground. Against Ole Miss, his team put up 49 points and lost. So you're not holding that game against him. And he played fantastic. And in the other loss against Alabama. He, again, low 60s completion percentage, which is below the 72% number that he had this season. He did, however, run for 163 yards and a touchdown. And I think that was his saving grace, is that when, when Penix had an off day throwing the football, that's all it was. It was an off day. But when Daniels had a quote-unquote off day compared to the Heisman numbers he was putting up week in and week out, he ran the football so much and stayed healthy throughout the year, which is also not an easy thing to do. I got to credit the LSU training staff because 
a guy who gets the ball that much and is in harm's way all the time, keeping him healthy and upright, not an easy thing to do. But when he goes for 163 yards, when he's not throwing the ball exceptionally well, that's the argument for most outstanding player in college football. Because And, and by the way, if this is what the award is going to be, that's fine. But hold sure. that standard. Give it to the player who is the most outstanding and not just the guy. And, and, you know, not just the guy who's, you know, had an amazing year, Heisman caliber, and happens to be on the best team. 2015 standard or so would have been Michael Penix. I think that 2016 Lamar Jackson is kind of the comparison here. By the way, for those who didn't know, Lamar's numbers in 2016 at Louisville were disgustingly awesome. Now, he wasn't actually a very good passer. He only completed 56% of his throws. He did have over 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, and nine picks. He ran for over 1,500 yards. He outrushed Jaden Daniels by by like 400 yards. That is crazy. Okay, that's crazy. However, in that particular season, the Heisman field behind him was pretty weak. Wasn't the number two like D.D. Westbrook? So D.D. Westbrook finished fourth. Uh, Fourth. Baker Mayfield was in the top five. Uh, Jonathan Allen finished the top 10. No disrespect to Jonathan Allen because he was fantastic this season. I just had it pulled up. So Deshaun Watson finished second. Baker Mayfield finished third. D.D. Westbrook fourth. And Jabril Peppers rounds out the top five. Jabril Peppers. That's a a pretty good field. But do you know what you notice about all of them? None of those teams ended like Deshaun Watson would have been the closest for sure. But none of those teams went on to win the national championship. So I don't think you had the narrative that typically had been there, which is, oh, we'll just give it to the best player on, you know, the best SEC team that's competing for a national championship in there. But yeah, I have they, seen. Wait, hold on. No, yes, they did. Clemson won the national championship that year. No, I know, but but they didn't give it to him. I mean, but Clemson's oh, also in the I, ACC. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay, my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're good, you're good. But so if this is going to be the standard for the Heisman, that's fine. But I want it to be consistent. And I think there is plenty reason to believe that it could be the standard going forward. Look at the last four Heisman winners. Okay, Jaden Daniels had the best individual season. Statistically, that's not arguable. It it, it just is not. not. Last year, Caleb Williams had the best individual season. Was not on a team. Like, they had lost the Pac-12 championship game. But, of course, people vote before the conference title game anyway, so maybe they thought USC was going to win. I don't know. But that standard applied there. The year before was Bryce Young. I think everybody knew Bryce Young was the Heisman Trophy winner. The year before, Devontae Smith. So if this is the new standard, that's fine. I just want to see that applied because I think that's what the award always should have been. Is yeah. Yes, team success should play a factor, but in the past, I think it was overplayed in certain decisions, Derrick Henry being the most notable one. But if this is where we're going, going forward, okay, so be it. In which case it's not a snub, but if they go back to their old ways next year for whoever wins the Heisman and they give it to someone who's just, you know, a really good quarter, like if Stetson Bennett had won the Heisman trophy last year, I would have been really frustrated. I'm fine with him being a finalist. He shouldn't win because Caleb Williams was better. But if this is what will happen year after year, then yes, I am okay with that, but I want the standard to be consistent. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's that's really all this is. Where you can and, and that's one of the reasons that 
the argument for Michael Penix is as strong as it is, right? Where there can be that that double standard at times of sometimes it's oh well this this year it's the guy with the best stats and this year oh it's you know it's the guy who's uh, who led the best team, and it's just it's frustrating and it's confusing more than anything else. And just having some if it's just a set of guidelines, just saying this is what we want you to look for. That's fine. Because Jade, you're right. Jaden Daniels had the best statistical season. That is not arguable in any way, shape, or form. But with what Michael Penix did this season and how he was able to lead this team to the college football playoff and have them competing for a national championship, it, it's it's just a matter of because I'm sure that if Jaden Daniels was doing that, if the roles were reversed, if Mike had these these same stats that Jaden Daniels did. This is a great and, thought exercise. Yeah, that's I, I, it's why I wanted to make sure that I, I that I got this in for you. Is if Mike, if the Washington Huskies went nine and three, and Michael Penix had the exact same numbers that Jaden Daniels did, but Jaden Daniels' team was thirteen and zero, I feel like Jaden Daniels would have still won the Heisman, which is the frustrating thing. Okay, I have two responses to that. Please, to, I, I I have two responses to that that we got to get to. You got to get over to eBay Motors, though, because passion, drive, and patience, what brings home the winning trophy, is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time, or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply here are my two thoughts roman i thought that was your first thought (laughs) three thoughts then (laughs) Uh, thoughts number two and three after our friends at eBay motors. I think that last year, like the premise of the question you're asking is a completely fair one. However, last year, the award went to Caleb Williams, not Stetson Bennett and Stetson Bennett. If memory serves was a Heisman finalist, right? Yes. And it went, and it went to Caleb Williams who was in the pack 12. Rightfully so. And and, and rightfully so. So, I think, you know, it feels good to answer that question of, no, they would never give it to a West Coast, but they did it last year. Here's the second thought I have. They did that for a USC quarterback coached by Lincoln Riley. Yes. Would they do it for a Washington quarterback? I don't think so. Heck, I think they might even do it for an Oregon quarterback because if Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 title game, there's a very real world. If Oregon had won the game, let's say, by 10 points, then Bo Nix is the Heisman Trophy winner in all likelihood right now. I think Daniel still has a chance, but I think they probably give it to Bo because I think the brand of Oregon is strong enough to have overcome the SEC perception there. But I don't think that Washington's brand is strong enough because as Husky fans have lamented, I think fairly for the last couple of years, they have been put in late night windows more than any other team that has won 24 games in the last two seasons otherwise would have. And I don't think the brand of Washington football has as big of a national reach as say a USC or an Oregon. So if you had a Heisman trophy winner or a contender on other PAC 12 schools, Stanford, for instance, 
yeah, I think that this that, like this is what's going to happen. They're going to go with the other guy. But if no, you're I, on a specific school, like I, I really think it's just USC and Oregon out west. I think everybody yeah. else, too too bad. No, I couldn't agree with you more there. And that's something where one of the the best things that Kalen DeBoer has been able to do with his Washington program is build it back up and build up that brand where it's getting more recognizable. He won coach of the year, obviously hats off to the fantastic, well-deserved. But that was one thing where, especially if you look at, and it's, it's, it's weird to have to talk about it in this light, but it's true where you look at the two thousands Huskies, you even look at the Chris Peterson era Huskies where they didn't get a lot of that same respect. And a lot of that was because Chris Peterson was not interested in building up the brand. So that's totally self-inflicted. But Washington, and that's that's why I talked about the Big Ten a little bit earlier, Spencer, is because the Big Ten will do a fantastic job of pumping up this brand and saying, yeah, no, this is actually one of the best places in college football to go play. And look at what they're doing. Look at this. Look at what Kalen DeBoer has built here in just a couple of years. And so I think that it's getting stronger, but you're right. Right now, they're not at the point where they can overcome that that SEC bias because I'm, I'm really glad you, you brought up that that point. Yeah, and, and by the way, just, just to be clear so people don't freak out given my, my personal fandom affiliation, I am not sitting here saying that what is happening and the way this is playing out is right. I'm just observing what has happened and what is clearly the thinking because we have seen like – I think you make a good point that if it was between Jaden Daniels with Penix's numbers on a 13-0 SEC team versus Penix on a 9-3 and Washington team, Penix could get an invite. I don't think they would give him the award. I think they'd give it to Jaden Daniels. However, if it was a 9-3 and on with incredible numbers on a USC, we, we know for a fact the Heisman voters would give it. And I think for an Oregon – for an Oregon player, they would give it, but for Washington and Stanford, they wouldn't. And I'm not saying that that is right. And I think that can get better in the big 10 as you play more high profile games and whatnot that I think still remains to be seen. Cause we have to see the schedules and the time slots and everything like that. But any final thoughts on, on, on this Heisman discussion before I ask you real quick about Washington's future at quarterback? No, I've got a lot of, a lot of my anger out about this. <laughs> Okay, okay, good. So Penix was a transfer last year. Uh, every dayers who have been with me since then, first of all, I appreciate you very much. Second of all, you know, I was not particularly high on Michael Penix. He had an injury history. He had the good year in the COVID season in Indiana, but I never took the COVID season that seriously. And he has blown my expectations for him out of the water and then some. And so now after the season, Washington, like many teams, in the Pac-12, Oregon and USC most notably, Washington State, Oregon State, almost everyone it kind of seems, is going to have a new quarterback next year. There have been rumblings and crystal balls and rumors and speculation and all this sort of fun stuff that we have. Now it's you know off-season for a lot of teams and almost off-season for others and not off-season for Washington, but also off-season for Washington because the college football calendar is so permanently broken and no one seems keen on fixing it, unfortunately. Will Rogers, it's so tiring. <laughs> I know. Um, Will Rogers is a name I've seen out there. Air raid guy at Mississippi State. They've got a new coaching staff coming in. He's looking for a new home. I'm not saying he's Michael Penix, but boy, kind of seems like it's a fit because we know that Kalen DeBoer. I expect Ryan Grubb to be a head coach in 2024. We'll see if that materializes because all the jobs are kind of filling up, but there are still more yeah. open. 
we know that Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, they want to throw the football a lot. And Will Rogers, like Michael Penix, experienced veteran guy who's played in a big-time conference and has thrown the football a lot. I think that's a fit. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. I wrote about some, something about that over on Inside the Huskies a couple of days ago where he he would be a really great fit in this offense. Learn a lot under Mike Leach. And this is this would be a, a little bit of a different offensive style, especially in terms of some, some of the weapons he'd be able to have in Washington system, even though they're losing Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, probably Jalen Polk as well, probably getting all three of those guys out of there next year. But I don't I don't necessarily think that it's just a as cut and dry of if Will Rogers or Cam Ward or anybody in the transfer portal comes in, that they're automatically going to win the job. So there actually is a lot to consider right now when it comes to Washington's future at quarterback, because I am insanely high on 2023 early enrollee, a reclassified supposed to be a 2024 prospect, Austin Mack from Folsom High School. That kid can throw the football, man. I got to watch him in, in fall practice and he's not even 18 years old yet can sling it stands six foot foot six and just has as much arm talent as anybody in the country. It seems like he enrolled early to get a year to learn under Michael Penix and to do all just, you know, get, get all that, that experience under his belt. Pretty good guy to learn from. Oh, I, I, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, He's done all right. But just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I think that if let's say Will Rogers comes in, yeah, he would have every opportunity to win the job. I expect him to win the job, but I don't think it's nearly that cut and dry because Austin Mack is going to be competing. They have a transfer already on the roster in Sandy, former San Diego State quarterback Will Haskell, who had to sit out this past year due to um, transfer rules. And then they also have Dylan Morris, who's still on the roster. He has one more year of eligibility if he wants it. Okay. Well, okay, okay. So ho- hold on. Hold on. Good backup. <laughs> had- Good backup. Good locker room he's guy. Talk- <laughs> no, he is. And something he's talked openly about is uh, being a GA on the staff and eventually transferring is uh, just like uh, transferring into being a grad assistant in this program. And so that's something to consider where right now I, that's, that's my main, not, I, I wouldn't call it a concern, but my main question about the future of the program is, does he do that after this season? Where does he want to start for one more year or does he want to, just kind of say, yeah, I'm I, like, I, I know that this is my future. So I want to start the, the coaching and the GA process now, because there's also 2024 uh, quarterback commit Demarcius Davis, who that's just more of, Hey, you gotta, you gotta consider that if they do still bring in a transfer and Dylan Morris stays uh, on the player side of things, that would be five scholarship quarterbacks. So that's just almost too, too many, many cooks, cooks in the, the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. So yep. it's, I, I would expect that by Spencer, we're probably gonna have this discussion at some point over the summer. By that point, we're saying, oh, it's gonna be either Will Rogers or Austin Mack. That that's probably gonna be the discussion we're gonna have, but it's just it's a it's a little bit cloudier right now, I would say. All right. Well, there's another name out there that uh, I'm gonna talk about on Monday's show. Uh, I'll just give you a hint. He played in the Apple Cup and his name rhymes with Smam Smord. Yeah. <laughs> How about how about that end of the show? I, Roman, I did give him a five second shout out. It is interesting to say the least. He's got a lot of potential suitors. That's Cam Ward, of course, Washington State. Roman Tomashoff, locked on Huskies. Appreciate it, man. Spencer, as always, thank you so much. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, hope you have a, a wonderful rest of your day.